0: Welcome to the We Go There podcast. I'm Lexi. And I'm Nikki. And our favorite conversations are when someone starts by saying, this might be TMI, but... Exactly. We go there because no topic should be too taboo, especially when it comes to women's health. We ask the questions you may be too afraid to ask and interview the experts to get the answers you need. So we're doing this completely unfiltered. 100%. Okay, let's go there. So today we're interviewing Tracy Donaghan. She's a medically trained midwife. She's a published author and a positive birth expert. She's born in Ireland and Tracy has lived and worked on many continents. She currently lives in Texas with her husband and her two boys. She's the founder and president of Gentle Birth. This is an incredible app that I recommend to all of our students who are currently pregnant. It is really powerful and evidence-based. So today we want to talk a bit about what is hypnobirthing? How is mindfulness in pregnancy important? What can we do to prepare our bodies and our minds for birth? And Tracy's got some pretty strong opinions about all of this. So we're going to go there right now. Let's do it.
1: Yeah, let's go there.
0: Welcome. We're excited to have you. So
2: I think we should just dive in and maybe you can give some background about where this passion for a positive birth experience has come from and how you've gotten into this, you know, mindfulness, birth, hypnobirthing.
1: Sure. Um, I guess it, it, like most people in this work, it started with my own journey. So I started off, um, my first birth was in California and I hired a doula and I hired a doula for all the wrong reasons. It was trendy. I thought, yeah, why not? And this was before a lot of uh, the evidence was being published and there was being California being California. It was, oh, yeah, you know, you have to have one of these birth doula people with you in labor. So being Irish, not being familiar with the uh, the U.S. system, I thought, well, it might be nice to have someone... Just to look after me on the day, and just you know, I was I thought pregnancy was all about me. You know, there's a baby coming somewhere at some point in the end, but but it's all about me. You know, pampering myself. Um, really didn't understand the role of the doula. Went along to a meet the doula evening, and I remember walking in thinking, I hope it's not all tie dye, crunchy hippies who are going to try and convince me. Not to have an epidural because, as far as I was concerned, epidural drive through in the parking lot, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. The day before I'm due, let's let's just you know cut out any uncertainty. Uh, So that kind of started my journey into birth support. Um, We ended up moving out to Singapore a couple of months later, and my husband had the work permit. So I was at a point in my life where I was like, okay, I'm at home with a new baby. I have you know, between feeds and all of the other fun stuff. I have this extra time on my hands now because I'm not working. If I could, you know, choose my a new career, what would it be? So um, I had such a positive birth experience having that doula with me that I thought, well, maybe this is something that I could look at. Um, coming from more of a kind of tech administrative background, I had no interest in Clinical care, becoming a nurse or a midwife. So I thought, well, a doula would be—it's the, the really the best part of that role. So you get to connect with these parents, help them, I guess, signpost them towards information, help them prepare for the best birth possible as they define it. So um, yeah, I did some training in Singapore. Just really got bitten by that birth bug. Ended up moving back to Ireland and thought, well, in for a penny, in for a pound, I'm going to take my training and my you know, kind of career development a little bit further. And I went back to school and had uh, took my midwifery so serious that I had a home birth in the middle of my training with my second. Um, loved the midwifery, but could see that there was a lot missing from... I guess modern maternity care because the the focus was so much on um on the physical and very little focus on what was actually going on in the brain and for for anyone who's listening who's familiar with gentle birth I you'll often hear me say what's going on in the brain during labor is just as important if not more important than what's going on with your baby and what's going on with your body. So um in Singapore I had the Really, I was very fortunate to take the uh, traditional hypnobirthing uh, training with, uh, with Marie Mongan, um, who passed uh, recently, and really got hooked on the whole mind-body connection, how important it is and how it's just really, other than relaxation techniques, we really don't put a lot of focus into what's happening with the brain. But the brain is this, it's the engine that runs everything. So if there's ways that we can help the brain work optimally in pregnancy, then would that have an impact on birth? And would it have an impact on, you know, especially for first-time parents, their experience of that transition, that big transition to parenthood? So that's kind of where it started. Um, I I, I taught traditional hypnobirthing, for about a year, but um, I felt there was serious gaps in in this birth preparation program, which I did discuss with with Mickey over several emails, and it it turned out that what I wanted to teach really wasn't going to to line up with with Mickey's formula for hypno So I started to look at okay, so you know within the Irish context, it was um introducing sports psychology so getting especially for the male partners getting the dads to to really engage with okay so how do how do elite athletes you know these celebrities that you look up to how do they prepare for you know these big events so their self talk is really important goal setting is important um emotional regulation is key so and when i talk about emotional regulation it's so How do you like we all go off the deep end, maybe several times a day when you learn how to what what I call being the nosy neighbor of what's going on upstairs, you start to see patterns in the way you think. And you once you kind of see those patterns, then you have an opportunity to step back and say, "Okay, so is what I'm focused on now making me more excited about my baby's birth or more anxious And it's kind of a little rule that I have for our our, our philosophy around, you know, control the controllables. What am I focused on right now? Is it making me more excited or more anxious? And then it puts the power back in the parents' hands to decide, okay, is this YouTube video I'm watching now making me more empowered about birth or is it stressing me out? So part of hypnobirthing is, you know, there's a huge focus on hypnosis. And hypnosis itself has been shown to be quite an effective tool for pain management, for um, confidence building and reducing fear levels. So there's a huge amount of focus on, on fear and resolving that fear, whereas my take is a little bit of fear is not a bad thing but it's more about cultivating courage. Because I think if we can cultivate more courage, especially for first time parents walking into the unknown, we're we're setting them up with an advantage stepping into parenthood. So hypnobirthing was focused on one tool in the toolkit, which was hypnosis. And hypnosis works brilliantly for a lot of people, but not so much for, for some women. Um, and you'll see it when you when you read in some of the like pregnancy forums that for some parents, they feel like they were they were sold a particular birth outcome. They were told that and, and this depends on on the instructor as well, that if you just practice hard enough, if you believe enough, you can sneeze your baby out <laughs> and it'll be. Oh, God. No, flowers and rainbows and kittens and...
0: Harps and whales and j- rainbows. Yeah, I know. Oh my
1: God. So for me, you know, as, you know...
0: Sneeze your as, baby out.
1: As, yeah, yeah. And hey, hey, if you sneeze your baby out, I am all about that. I think that's amazing. Um, but the gentle birth focus is not on promising a particular outcome. It's preparing parents for the birth that happens on the day no matter so so for sometimes parents will say well I'm definitely not getting an epidural because of whatever reasons they are but our approach is that again each person gets to decide for themselves what a positive birth is and you have I guess this opportunity to be okay with whatever happens on the day so as much as possible we are going to stack the odds in our favor of everything going beautifully. But we know birth can be unpredictable. And having an unmedicated birth in hospital, Jesus, takes work. It's not the optimal place for oxytocin production. It's just not. I I liken it to, you know, imagine standing in like the busiest bus station or train station in your community and trying to give birth. You've got, we've got strangers, lights, noise, it's an unfamiliar territory. So of course the brain is gonna say, whoa, hang on a minute, we're, we're, we're not safe. And so how can we create safety within the brain and train the brain so that we are associating birth with safety and not panic and stress. So for me, hypnobirthing, it is, it is a great program, but it's if you're reliant on just one tool in your toolkit, you're, you you could likely end up in trouble, especially for a hospital birth, if you can't apply those principles on the day, and it's not an automatic behavior for you. Mm-hmm. So that's the hypnosis end of things. So between adding the sports psychology, which the dads absolutely love, um, they were starting to realize, okay, there is I actually have a role here, and I can. There's a lot I can do to support my partner, and what I've experienced so many times. And as my instructors, that they finish teaching a class and the dads come up at the end and they're like, I cannot wait for labor. Now I know what I'm doing. I can't wait for it. Like they were wishing their due date was sooner. So for me, I'm like, job done. You know, they're excited. They know what their role is. They understand how these the mental principles we're applying will really help themselves as well as their partner on the day and moving into parenting. But then, then I started to look at what was happening in the research on mindfulness, and not the mindfulness that people think about of you know sitting in a darkened room chanting for hours or trying to stop your thought. That's you you can't do that. It's about being able to notice your thoughts and not becoming the thought police either. But notice when you've gone to crazy town, and being able to say, "Geez, you know, I've taken that train." To stress town because that's it is it's a train of thought and then other thoughts add to it and you start to notice oh this is making me feel really stressed or worried about labor or breastfeeding or whatever that is and then we start to have the realization of you know what thoughts aren't facts and i don't have to believe everything i think and we start to question these automatic thoughts that we have and unfortunately the brain, the brain evolved for survival. It didn't evolve to have a lovely Zen birth in, in the water. You know, it it's so it's all about survival. So for most people, they have learned that birth is something that it has to be really difficult and long, especially for a first baby, and incredibly painful. And but yet we know that. Some first-time mothers will have quite short labors, and it won't be that painful. So it's, pain itself is so subjective. But there's things that we can do, including mindfulness, that we're training the brain to go off the deep end a lot less. And when you do go off the deep end, because, you know, even though I've been practicing meditation and mindfulness for many, many years now, I go off the deep end too. But I stay there a lot less. So it, it's it's really about noticing the thoughts and you know challenging it and controlling what we can. Mm. So on the day what we can control is how we respond to what's happening. So it's very intentional. So within the app if you're practicing we have we've combined hypnobirthing sessions which are really long lovely relaxation sessions that I would recommend doing at nighttime because you don't actually have to do any work with hypnobirthing really you press play you close your eyes you relax and and the subconscious mind just absorbs um, the imagery whereas with mindfulness mindfulness is very deliberate and very intentional so when you're practicing with with the mindfulness sessions let's say it's a 10 minute meditation as you go through the guidance of that meditation uh, anytime you find your mind wandering off to supermarket I forgot to get bread or what I'm planning for tomorrow because the mind is a great time traveler it's rarely in the present it's always going off worried about what's happening next week or or rehashing that argument I had with my my sister the other day so being able to notice when your mind has gone off wandering because it usually goes to crazy town and being able to gently and kindly bring your attention back to the present moment and right now, all is well. So it's that training, and it's like training a a muscle. It's the muscle of focus we're training, so that if something comes up out of left field on the day, it doesn't have that. Doesn't mean that oh, my birth preferences went out the window, because you recognize you have a choice here in this moment. We can throw everything out the window, or we can take a moment. We can take a breath, and we can get out of that part of the brain that is now freaking out, we learn how to regulate that that amygdala that's happening, that activity of the amygdala, so that we can bring the conscious part of the brain, that rational thinking, executive decision-making part of the brain back online. Because when we're stressed, it's offline and we cannot make good decisions on the day. So mindfulness reduces pain, um increases uh satisfaction around birth uh reduces birth trauma there's there's so many benefits and that's and that's before we even get into mental health or the actual physiological response of the body to that mindfulness practice um does that help so yes <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a lot but yes
0: absolutely of course i mean well, hours on I mean, lexi's lexi's currently expecting twins. Um, and there's, I, I know, I mean, I don't want to speak for you, Lex, but from our conversations, I gather that, you know, you've been sort of had a lot of people, I'm going to say dump their, their projections and opinions on you. Oh, well, you're going to have a C-section, even though you've had two unmedicated vaginal deliveries prior to this. Now you're probably wrestling a little bit more with the whole mindfulness piece. Am I right?
2: Yeah. I I love, like I said to Nikki, as soon as we jumped on it, I'm like, I love this stuff. Like this is mindfulness, like meditation, like all of it is, but I've never seen it in this type of platform, which is amazing. Like your app, I listened to a bunch of them and they're, they're awesome. And I'm going to use it all the way up too, because I find this pregnancy in particular, more challenging to continue to keep my positive affirmations and thoughts in the right place because of that natural like and it's more of a lack of knowledge of people just assuming that with twins you have c-sections and mm-hmm. so um you know even i just went into my last ob appointment and my first one and i'm using midwives and an ob kind of combo um which is like the dream team uh for twins <laughs> so yeah. far um so i had a appointment with my ob in the first appointment um the boy twin a was breech. And twin, twin B, the girl, is in the right position, head down. And so, of course, I'm like, okay, this is like me. I got to get my mind in the right place. And I love your affirmation. I just listened to the affirmations for um, perfect positioning. I'm going to continue to listen to that one. Um, but it's uh, then I went in for my last OB appointment and he started looking, he's like, twin A, the boy's head down. I'm, yes, he's uh-huh. beyond excited. Um, but it's that, like, it's keeping your mind in that place of continuously, like, I literally spent my whole, I went away with my husband and the entire time we were away, like, Every time I had moments for myself, I'm like thinking like, okay, like head down, like just get out of breach position and trying to give that self-talk. Um, but it's it's hard to and I'm a person who gravitates to that stuff. So naturally, like I meditate you know, daily out of practice when I'm not pregnant, you know what I mean? So I can imagine it's um, a big shift for a lot of people, but can you speak a little bit to the specifically around like the impacts on pain management? Cause I think that that's um, really interesting. Like I haven't really made that connection. The simple one for me is more the positioning piece and mind connected to the body type.
1: So one, one practice that I think if you're, you might already be doing it, but it can be, it's just a beautiful practice for getting yourself in that positive headspace. And especially if you've been listening to affirmations, I think it's a great thing to do just before you do your affirmations. So it's called birth basking. Okay. So what we'll do, what we will do is spend, you know, a few minutes every day, just sitting and imagining the, you know, what would be the absolute perfect birth experience for you. So baby, both babies being in great position, you know, short labor, brilliant staff on the day who are just completely behind you, respect your decisions, encourage you to be upright and and just both very straightforward births. So what's really important is the connection, is the emotional connection. So, so many people will, you know, they listen to the affirmations. They're like, yes, my baby is the perfect size for my body. And I'm like, okay, for, that's just a waste of fucking time. Okay. If you are not emotionally connected to that and and, and create that feeling, if you can. And if I know for first time parents thinking, well, how do I create the feeling of, of satisfaction as if I have already had that amazing birth experience and I'm actually remembering it now. How do I create that now for myself for this exercise? So what I will encourage parents to do is, okay, there's no doubt everyone listening to this podcast has had some difficulty in their lives. They've had stressful situations. It's about calling on what did I do back then? How did I support myself? And to, to, it's like you're artificially generating these emotions but the brain cannot tell the difference between something you are vividly imagining right now and something that's actually happened. So as far as the brain's concerned, oh yeah, we're bringing up all this beautiful imagery of, you know, you're walking around your, you know, your labor room and what do you see around you and and again helpful staff and it all just going so well. That if we can connect to that emotional Part of it, your affirmations are more effective, and your confidence builds. And, and this is something that's really important. And compared to again, just a traditional hypnobirthing in pregnancy, and this ties in with the pain management as well. In pregnancy, your brain is is kind of hyperplastic, as in those lovely pregnancy hormones that are flooding your body and your brain are changing your brain in preparation for motherhood. So it is changing whether you're helping it change or not. So what we're doing with the app is it's, and and the, the term for it is neuroplasticity. So there's certain times in our lives when our brain, like as young babies and you know, teenagers, there's a lot of accelerated changes happening in the brain, getting ready for whatever this next transition is and development. So in pregnancy, we have this huge opportunity to self-direct that neuroplasticity. And this is all evidence-based we we look at um, MRI studies where we can see what's happening in the brain when people are practicing mindfulness and what we see happening is the um, the amygdala uh, which is that part of the, the the emotional center of the brain when you're in a stressed response it's firing off so the more practice we do of mindfulness it the amygdala actually shrinks. So there's parts of the brain that grow. So parts of the brain that are associated with with positive mood, um, with confidence. Those parts of the brain we see more activity there, and we see reduced activity in the parts of the brain that are associated with fear. So I, I always joke, and and one of our um, one aspect of the app for postpartum is we have a whole program. Um, that we call body positive, so that women can start to, uh, you know, be okay with their new shape and, and start to appreciate their body um, in ways that they may not have thought of before. Because so often in postpartum, women see their body and not just postpartum as an enemy and not as this lifelong companion that we want to nurture a good relationship with. So, uh, so we see these changes in the brain. It affects pain perception but it all kind of ties in with, um, when I when I, I joke about, you know, body positivity, and when I talk about brain positivity, it's the one time in your life when you really want to be working towards having a skinny amygdala. You want a, skinny <laughs> amygdala. a skinny amygdala is an amygdala that's not been firing off through your pregnancy. We've learned how to regulate that by, yeah, I don't need to believe everything that... All these mental events that I'm hap- that are happening because that's really what it is. It's a mental event, and I don't have to buy into that drama every time I have a thought about something going wrong in pregnancy and or during labor. So we're very intentional about what we're focused on, what we're reading, what we're listening to, and I think surrounding yourself with a community. That will uplift you and is excited about birth is just a really important part of that community because as you as you've seen, Lexi, you when you leave your bubble of meditation and you step out into the real world, then you've got everyone wants to throw those uh, their thoughts and fears at you about birth and labour. And when you you know when you talk about birth being a positive experience, they think you've lost the plot and. <sighs> you know that your jesus well what's wrong with you, with her she thinks it's going to be so wonderful you know because it's based on their experiences and expectations as well but there is a definite link between reduced pain perception and and the practice of mindfulness and even short periods of mindfulness you do not have to go off and live in a fucking monastery for 6 months before you can apply these tools it's, it's what we've seen in recent research is even for acute pain um, within hospital systems where like they're they're practicing within an emergency room, people can change their relationship with the painful stimulus, and that's really where it, what it comes down to. Hypnobirthing is much more about, uh, you know, eliminating the fear. Or controlling the fear whereas with mindfulness we are open to whatever comes into our experience and we're changing our relationship with that pain so when we have that surge or that contraction can we see it as this is uh, powerful and this is productive pain we don't shy away from talking about pain and labor but we know that that with the practice of mindfulness and this training of your brain, you're significantly likely to be able to cope better because you're emotionally regulated. You can feel that contraction happening. And if that first thought is, this is because the brain has you know learned that birth is supposed to be this awful experience and painful, that you can take a moment and recenter yourself and recognize but this is bringing the baby and this is helping baby get into a good position for labor. And so we're not trying to eliminate anything. We're just, we're actually putting out the welcome mat for everything that's going to come in labor, because the more we fight against, uh, especially sensations in labor, the more exhausted we get. And you're, you're trying to, when, when we talk about, talk about the stress response and fight or flight, the fight or flight response was only really, it only evolved to be short-lived to get you away from that bear that's chasing you or to fight that bear or to freeze. And hopefully the bear thinks you're dead and leaves you alone. But what we're we're doing, when you're doing that for 24 hours in labor, you can see how women are coming out of labor, especially in unmedicated birth, if they haven't been practicing some kind of mental strategies, they are even more exhausted than they would have been because they've used up all their body's resources, mentally they're in a very stressed state for the, for that period of time. Whereas we just don't see that with the gentle birth moms. What we see is they 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 their automatic behavior is, "Oh, was that a was that a contraction? Hmm, maybe not. Well, I'll just go back to sleep." And or they get up or they potter around, but there's not that triggering of that fight or flight response. So they have more resources to cope during labor. And we've just, um, Nikki, you're you're very familiar with our dear friend, Dr. Sinead. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we've just, uh, we're currently all working on this manuscript to get submitted uh, because we did a research project last year with McMaster University. And the outcomes were were like significant. I can't talk about it too much because we won't wait until it's submitted and published. But for for women who use the app during pregnancy and the longer they spent using the app was associated not just with having a positive birth experience, not just feeling more confident and more in control. It affected the outcome of the birth. It affected whether they needed pharmacological pain management. Uh, so for it affected cesarean rates. So it's like we have been ignoring this brilliant piece of machinery between our ears for way too long. And I think any program now that is teaching birth preparation that is that is not including mindfulness and brain training is doing parents a disservice. We know too much now to not have mindfulness as part of every single birth preparation program. And we've seen it in in how it affects postpartum as well, how it affects women's women's feelings about breastfeeding. and, And, you know, lots of people will have challenges with breastfeeding in those first, you know, especially those early weeks. And what are we doing? We're telling them, oh, we'll fix the latch. And Fix, you know, fix the positioning. What are we doing to support them to use their brain skillfully during those exhausting few weeks so that they're more likely to reach their breastfeeding goals? And because, you know, Nikki, I think I said before when I have an 18 year old now that's off touring around Europe. And automatically, as a parent, your brain goes to worst-case scenario: an 18-year-old and alone in Europe with a with a couple of other guy friends. You know, we can imagine what, what is likely to be going on. You know, and uh, but understanding that our brain automatically goes to worst-case scenario anyway. It's just it's a protective mechanism. So, 100,000 years ago, when we were living in caves and and we were out hunting for dinner if you heard a rustling in the bushes your brain automatically thought survival it automatically assumed that was a tiger and not a hamster because if it if you assumed best case scenario and oh yeah that's just a hamster and then it's a tiger well that the protective mechanism hasn't really worked so so noticing that we do have this negativity bias that automatically goes to, to worst-case scenario. So can we use what we call intelligent optimism? We're not being Pollyanna and just, yeah, take a few breaths and sneeze your baby out. It's it's intentional work. It takes work. Hypnobirthing, you press play, you go to sleep. Mindfulness takes effort. Mm-hmm. But it is the such a small amount of investment of your time to really have such a life-changing effect, not just for birth and and, and toddlerhood, but long, long after.
0: I love this. And I, I was telling Lexi before we started recording that, you know, <laughs> to speak to you, and I'm going to be totally honest when i first met you cuz we this is our second interview we i interviewed you for our course cuz i you know for the push prep course i understand the importance of making sure we're doing education on mindfulness and i'm excited to collaborate with you on that but I had this presumption that, you know, you're going to be this flowery, crunchy tie dye, you know, and I meet you and you're like this, you know, you swear, you're like, do not hold back. And I was like, oh, I got to get this, this amazing Tracy on the podcast. And of course, it's an explicit podcast. So feel free to continue to swear if it feels good.
1: I do, but, do try to, for, for our American uh, community, I <laughs> know they're always a little bit shocked if they meet me in person and and I seen my authentic self, you know, Irish self, but it's, uh, yeah, it's, this, this is me. This is as real as it gets. And
0: I love it, but I also noticed, cause I, there is this sort of dichotomy I have noticed. And, and I'd love your thoughts on this where it's either, and I've seen like, you know, accounts or, or websites and they're selling childbirth courses called pain-free birth. Or pain, you know, and I see your face right now, looking, which is great. One, the eyebrow that you just raised, but it's like the pain-free birth, and it's all about orgasmic birth, and you know, da 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 da. Orgasmic birth—it's a real thing. We're going to talk about Tracy and talk about it. Or you also have the sort of like, you know, why would I ever want that? I'm just going to go get the epidural. What is that bullshit? Like, I just and I feel like you're sort of in one camp or the other, and I love the. This is evidence-based stuff, and you're putting forth research and papers. Like to me, that is right up my alley and it doesn't, you know, and this way I also think it's, it's kind of pragmatic and you're letting people know it's not about pushing an agenda, right? You're not like you need to have this home water birth if that's not for you, you know, but we just want to support you in having the best, most positive birth possible based on your wishes and your situation.
1: And that's it. It's, Because I think what you will find as you look around for a different birth prep, and yeah, don't even get me started on the clickbait of pain-free birth. Um, It is, it does happen. I know people personally who've had pain-free births, um, but it is not our intention. And if it happens, brilliant. You know, my my second was not pain-free. It was... Uh, it was longer than my first, it, and I, you know, I had a home birth, I had a midwife, I had a doula, I had been practicing, you know, night and day. Um, but uh, my God, it, I f- uh, felt like after it, I could move mountains. I was, it, I was felt so powerful. Um, but it wasn't pain free, and uh, and I'm glad I went into it feeling like I I I have stacked the odds as much as I can at this point. Now I have to just, let's go into this experience and have the best experience we can. And where, and I, I will say in, in early days when I was between my own experience of ha- having an epidural on my first and, um, then becoming a new doula. And I was, I have to say, I was pretty judgmental, even though I'd had an epidural myself. I was like, yep, People who have epidurals, they don't care about their baby, or they don't care about the intervention, and blah blah. blah. And I was like, "Who gives a fuck, really, really?" I like, but it has been an evolution for me to get to a point where the epidural is just one more tool in your toolkit. And if we, what we've created in gentle birth is this really broad toolkit with lots of different tools, and so that you have access to keep everything on the table. Because no matter how strongly you feel about epidurals, sometimes that you know intervention can actually be a solution. If you've been laboring for two days and baby might not be in a great position and you're just buggered tired, mm-hmm. I'd be, yeah, get me that epidural now. I've done the double hip squeeze 50 fucking million times. <laughs> I've done, you know, I've yeah, hung out of a rebozo. I've done all of this. Please, let's just have an epidural now, and I want to have it without any guilt. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, so Bird has really, you know, evolved into this program that is there's something for everyone in it. So when you're when when people are start when they set up their profile in the app, they have an option to set up for. Um, and Lexi you'll have seen this you can there's different journeys based on your circumstances so it's not just like hypnobirthing where you get one CD and that's what you're listening to for forever even if you're as you're being wheeled to an unplanned cesarean your hypnobirthing people are telling you oh just listen to the uh, fear release or you know rainbow relaxation which is going to traumatize those women who have been anticipating a very straightforward sneezing their baby out and now they're being moved to to theater. They have hypnobirthing provides people with no additional resources if things change in labor. So, when they're when you're choosing your journey, you can choose vaginal birth, you can choose planned cesarean. Yes, we go there because a planned cesarean is an option for some women. And why would we would we create division and, and not include those women who also need emotional support preparing to meet their baby and after um, we have uh, a VBAC journey and we have a twin journey. So, and at any point, if during someone's you know you no know, pregnancy, if things change, they can change their journey and they'll get content that's relevant to them and their own unique journey. And then even in labour. So, when you're if you're in labour, again, if if an unmedicated birth was really important to you and something did come up out of left field on the day where, again, it wasn't something anyone could control, that we have audio content for, you know, an unplanned change of circumstances, so that, again, we don't throw everything out the window, we're going to collect what we can of our birth preferences, we're going to settle ourselves, so that's that emotional regulation, so that we can make decisions from a place of calm rather than a place of chaos because, when, as everybody knows, when you're stressed, you don't tend to make good decisions. So it's having, uh, it, it's an inclusive, I, I believe, I hope it is inclusive of all birth experiences. So if you're planning on getting the epidural the minute you walk in the door, the Gentle Birth app is still a good option for you because. you're going to manage stress during your pregnancy. We know stress impacts your own physiology as well as your babies. You're going to enjoy your pregnancy a lot more. And in the unlikely event, something came up that the epidural wasn't working great or or you couldn't get it, that you have other tools in your toolkit to support you. So our focus is not on a particular outcome. It is parents having the best experience that they can as they define it, not their instructor, not their obstetrician, not their best friend.
2: I love that. And I I think, you know, with childbirth, pregnancy, all of it, there's such a lack of control, right? Like we really have, it's very hard to, impossible to predict exactly what your journey is going to be. And so what I think is so great is that through this, you're able to, prepare yourself in a way that is, here's what I'm envisioning. Here's what I, you know, would love my experience to be. And then the tools to be able to also be prepared in the moment when those things change. And like when I was telling Nikki, when I was pregnant or when I was in labor with Piper, I had really been working on, you know, what this was going to look like for me. And that was my first, first baby. So first laboring experience and at the beginning, it all went the complete opposite of what I had, you know, planned in my mind of what this was going to look like. And I ended up being induced and I didn't have an epidural at that point. Then my midwife was t- prepping my husband that, you know, we need to start talking about a potential C-section, the baby's not dropping. Um. Then, you know, discussions around the epidural. Anyways, but I just took moments to like ground myself mm-hmm. and... Envision my baby dropping and all of these things, and ended up with an amazing outcome and unmedicated vaginal birth. And it all worked out really, really nicely. But I think that was an amazing experience for me. And I'm really fortunate for that. That isn't always how it happens. But I love that this is like a toolkit that you can then rely on in those moments where things are getting a little out of control, because they will, and be able to, like you said, kind of calm yourself, regroup. And come back to, okay, like, you know, all of those trainings that you've, you know, learned through the lessons and things like that. And Nikki, you had a completely flipped experience as well. And you
0: remained, I mean, also had vaginal unmedicated and just the transfer going down the highway at eight centimeters dilated. Yeah. Home birth to hospital transfer in the middle of covid with my husband, who is the slowest freaking driver ever. And I'm like, go faster. Well, at least <laughs> he wasn't faster. like growing
2: up at that point. In this I no. <laughs> at and least then, that was your second, right?
0: I mean, yeah, it's so true. But but Tracy, what I love here too, and I, I kind of want to poke the bear a little bit because you're like, don't get me started on the clickbait. I do want to get you started on the clickbait <laughs> because I feel like there is a lot of, first of all, there are more and more of birth education courses out there. And I I know that it can be very difficult for people to sort of figure out what it's about. And, you know, for example, there's hospital birth courses, which I often joke are meant to make you a compliant hospital patient. And you're nodding your head yes (laughs) right now. But it's also, you know... it's like buyer beware. Right. And, and I think it's also, and so obviously your, your program is amazing. You know, my mentor PhD is working with you on many things. Like you were very legitimate. You've got years of experience and you're not promising an outcome. You're not promising a pain-free birth. If you just do the work, you'll have this beautiful pain-free birth because that, as you said, can set women up for, you know, feeling traumatized, feeling like they have failed, feeling guilt over getting an intervention or getting an epidural, Um, So I try really hard in my own class, which is obviously more movement-based, I I try really hard to ensure that people are not feeling guilt over anything that happens and understanding that you you cannot control the things that happen, but you can control your reaction to them. So I would love to know your thoughts on sort of the space. If we zoom out for a second, the birth space as it relates to what's currently happening in our field, because you and I are essentially colleagues in this space. So what are your thoughts on what are the trends happening as it relates to childbirth prep?
1: Um, I'm actually not seeing very many new trends in childbirth, because I mean, how many different ways can you teach somebody the double hip squeeze, you know, and and I joke about the double hip squeeze, it is a fabulous tool in labour. But childbirth education continues to be focused on knowledge transfer which is here's the facts about induction and induction is kind of on my mind today because we're seeing like really significant increases in induction in some areas because of COVID so if you even thought you might have had COVID you're being induced so it's so so for parents to find you know quality childbirth education but quality childbirth education that actually gets or will stack the odds in favor of having the birth that you want. So when people say, I, I I say I'm completely biased. I think gentle birth is the best birth preparation program out there. It is. I've worked full-time. I'm not a hobbyist childbirth educator. I've worked full-time on this now for I think we're up on 16 years now. This is my life. Brain science and pain and and is just this is what I do. So but I also, you know, to your your point, I have taught hospital classes and it you know, I'm limited to what I can tell people about the reality of hospital birth because, you know, they I don't teach hospital classes at the moment, but in the past, it, I, it's been very clear things I can say and things I am not guys, supposed. to
0: Can say. you tell us, please? Can you give us an example of something that you would not necessarily in a general statement? Like oh, what like, would you not want to talk about in a hospital birth preparation course?
1: Well, I want to talk about everything, especially for 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 anyone who's in 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 my class. That's wanting an unmedicated birth within the hospital environment. So, but take, for example, delayed cord clamping, you know, optimal cord clamping. We're seeing now eh, there's a mountains of evidence to support it, but, um, it was, I was, you know, kind of gently nudged into, don't talk about that. We don't want parents asking for that. Hmm. Why? But the evidence, oh no, 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 no. You just, just teach what we want you to teach. We don't want people asking too many questions. We don't want, you know, women, um, you know, having opinions on their care. So uh, even like, you know, for one hospital was, uh, like, nitrous oxide, gas and air, as we call it, is available pretty much all over Europe. It's kind of a first step. You walk into the labor ward, we hand you the gas and air. And so it's a very, it's a nice kind of way to get people to slow their breathing down, which of course regulates them emotionally. So it can be a great option for a lot of women to, to settle them in the beginning of labor and maybe throughout the whole labor. But the particular hospital I was uh, teaching in, were are really slow off the mark in bringing this in as an option. So all... The only thing people were having an option was morphine or an epidural. So I kept suggesting at the end of every class, you know what? A couple of hospitals down the street here, they've <laughs> got their gas and air in. What's <laughs> happening here? And because the, births, the birth industry in the U.S. is profit-based, hospitals know that, well, consumers have a choice. And they're going to go where they have the most options. So a lot of people from my classes would go to their next appointment, and, and which are obstetric lead and would say, hey, when are you guys getting the nitrous in? And they're like, oh. And, and then because they kept asking, I was getting feedback, don't keep telling them about the gas and air. We don't mm. have it, you know. And they did eventually get it. But it was only because people kept asking for right. it. So. Uh, yeah, so hospital classes I know some of them can be great, but they are biased. They are training you in how to behave, how to follow their birth mm-hmm. for you, which for the most part, in most u s hospitals um are not evidence based. so
0: can you say that one more time because it's it's worth repeating. <laughs> It's and not evidence-based.
1: Most, uh, most healthy, well, women who are giving birth within a hospital in, and this is the same in most parts of Europe, um, probably a little better in the UK because it's midwifery, midwife-led, um the care is not evidence based if you if the first thing you see when you walk in the door is that electronic fetal monitor and you're a healthy well woman your risk of having an unplanned cesarean has increased significantly just because that machine has been put on yep. so there there are options but when you talk to when you've grown up assuming doctors and midwives and they all know best you are assuming you're walking into a center of excellence. You're assuming everything that is going to be offered to you is based on really robust international evidence. It ain't. <laughs> the sooner, sooner parents start asking questions and, and engaging in their care, the sooner they'll realize, oh, you know what? I really need to learn a little bit more about what happens in my hospital. Mm-hmm. If it's going to, if again, especially if, if you you want an unmedicated. Look, hospitals are not there for natural birth. That's not their deal. Okay. Hey, if you want to have a natural birth, there's lots you can do to to facilitate that and stack the odds. But as soon as you walk in the hospital doors, it's there is pressure for stuff to happen and for rooms to be to be cleared out and for the, you to keep moving along that production line. It is bed space is premium. And if you're taking too long, then there's a question of, well, what can we do to speed them up a little bit? Mm-hmm. So, and then there's that whole domino effect and cascade of intervention. So right now at the moment, um, you can go to most independent classes will focus on comfort measures, um, learning about the signs of labor stages um, and informed decision making and and evidence. But it's all knowledge transfer. It's all about learning about the facts. We're not teaching them any kind of skills to help them make those decisions on the day, to help them self-regulate, to help them um, have a different relationship with pain. So it's this huge gap in classes that again like as we stated in in the beginning that i just i think if you're teaching childbirth education and you're not teaching the cognitive preparation um and and understanding how your brain works and how you can optimize your brain for the best birth possible you are doing parents a disservice and i'll repeat that many (laughs) times please do the evidence is there this is a brilliant tool as um, and, and and again i when i talk to parents i'm like look try it out you know think of your your mindfulness practices and everything that you explore in the in the general where that, think of it as an experiment okay go try a few sessions give yourself two weeks if you're not feeling better in those two weeks well look it's a toolkit we'll try something else But if you can really go in with an open mind, give yourself a chance to start to practice some of these these, uh, approaches, because the more you practice, the more that wiring is happening in the brain so that your brain doesn't automatically go to that worst case scenario. You start to, oh, you know, maybe this might be better than I'm anticipating because, again, the brain will throw up all kinds of stressful imagery for you because it's focused on worst-case scenario. Mm -hmm. So we are retraining the brain to, again, not to be Pollyanna about it, but to expect and anticipate that Mm -hmm. this actually could be a really good experience. And whether that is with an epidural, whether it's a planned caesarean, because every family that is meeting their baby for the first time deserves that self-compassion that those mindfulness uh, skills so that their their whole experience is, is better for them and mm-hmm. if you're going into a, a cesarean feeling a little bit more centered and less stressed physiologically your body reacts differently as well during that cesarean so mm-hmm. there's there's so much to be said for these really simple strategies that can be so helpful for parents but it's just not happening out there in the birth space yet.
0: well, it is with with all the work you're doing, and I'm going to continue to teach, um, you know, the students and, re- and my students and recommend that they become subscribers to your app, really, because it's it's something that's the reason I reached out because the there is so much need for making this collaborative, right? You know, like, yes, I can teach them tools on how to recruit their TVA and open their pelvic outlet for pushing. That's a skill. But the mindfulness piece is something that they also need
1: 100%. Yeah. And as you're teaching them skills, teaching them to, again, just to be curious about, well, you know, when you activate these muscles, what do you notice? Because when, when we do a body scan and in class, and I have parents folks, okay, so we're going to just move through the different parts of the body and just notice what's there. So it's not a relaxation technique. That's really important because people think, oh, mindfulness is, yeah, yeah, you just, you know, you're all happy and relaxed. You know, you can be mindfully doing anything. So if you, when you're in class and you're being curious about what comes up for me when I activate my pelvic floor like this, and because your body, again, the brain will throw up stories about, well, you know i put on too much weight in pregnancy or, or something that's not um positive or not supportive of you know our our nature as, as mothers as women so uh be curious about what you find there and and again putting out the welcome mat for whatever's there and we're not resisting anything we're just letting what's there be there because in 10 seconds you'll have moved on to a different part of your body and you and that part will be silent for a little bit more so when these thoughts and feelings come up if we can just say you know what we're accepting of everything that comes up and then it changes that's the thing it uh, everything changes and even though you feel right now that oh that story that came up about you know I had a difficult uh, vaginal birth and I had an instrument, instrumental that and all of the emotions that come up around that, that it's okay. We can be with that and let it be there and it will change within, within a moment of that. So the, the mental events come and go, but when we're in that moment of experiencing that We feel like this is me and this is my experience now, but it's temporary, just like labor, just like those surges and those contractions. If we go in with the idea, I can do anything for a minute. That changes the whole experience of Mm -hmm. labor contractions.
2: Totally. Well, we're so grateful for you coming on. And I'm so grateful that now I have this app to use for the remainder of my, uh, pregnancy. And, um, yeah, this is, this is really great information. I appreciate all the work that you're doing and you'll have to make sure, I'm sure Nick, you will be in the loop with, uh, Sinead as well, but make sure that you guys, uh, fill us in when your research and everything has been, uh, I guess filed out. I don't know what the what published. it's called. <laughs> published. There we go. <laughs> Finger crossed. So once it's published, yes, send it on over. And uh thanks again, Tracy, for coming on. So um just remind everyone, it's the gentle birth app. Uh, and you can find it in the app store. Very easy to find and very easy to sign up. I love all the selections, like you mentioned, and super digestible content, nine minute mindfulness practice affirmation things
1: can i just yeah. uh, one thing that a question that often comes up is you know in the in the app itself so we will give you what we call daily recommendations for training every day of your yes. pregnancy based on um where you are in your pregnancy and your individual journey so if you are joining at 10 weeks pregnant compared to 38 weeks your content is going to be different and it it builds on different skills throughout your pregnancy um but one thing that's uh that some people say they look they look at especially let's say they're mid-pregnancy and they've got like five things on their list to do today and they're like okay, I thought Bert, this was going to be like, this is like, a, I'm, I'm doing like a, another, like a, another degree, you know, I have to, all this work to do on top of going to work and, you know, managing my toddler or whatever else you've got going on. So what I usually suggest to parents is start the day with your affirmations. So, and it's not about, I, there's a it's, it's difference between uh, fitting it into your day because there, it's like, I have to fit something you know, else into that already busy day, or is it building it into the day? So start with your affirmations in the morning. There is a brilliant um, session called, and it's just called Good Morning Affirmations. Mm -hmm. I think whether you are, because our app includes the first year postpartum, wherever you are, that is such a great tool for getting you out of the right side of the bed every day. So it sets the tone for the day. You, you know feel better you know starting your day. And then do maybe your, your you know, breathing session at lunchtime. Do a short meditation sometime in the afternoon if you have like a 10-minute break or even just to sit for a couple of minutes. You don't have to close your eyes. You can just sit and be in your body and just let the, the mind kind of calm for a little bit. And then use your hypnosis sessions then at nighttime when you go to bed so that really shouldn't take any extra time out of your day mm-hmm. to be something that's built in. And again, it's like going to the gym. It, this is brain fitness for pregnancy. So if you go to the gym once, yeah, you've done something good. You feel good about yourself. But if you don't go again, you're really not going to get any more benefits. And 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 if you go to the gym, you're looking at okay, there's different parts of my body that I want to work on. And mindfulness, compared to hypnobirthing, works on different um, parts of the brain. So I would say think of it as brain fitness. It's a muscle that you're exercising, but you're literally like doing it on the couch. Or you know you could be mindfully driving. You can there's there's so many ways that we can just be more present. And not off in 20 million directions, which is unfortunately a natural part of what the brain does. So we're just reining it in a little bit.
2: Amazing. Yes. Love thank it. you. Okay. Well, appreciate you coming on, Tracy, and um, all the work that you're doing.
1: Yeah, I am happy to chat anytime. And if anyone has any questions, they can reach out to me through the website or they'll find me on social media. This is a topic, as you can see, that's uh, really important to me. <laughs>
0: um,
1: and yeah, we can just helping parents have the best experience that they can have. If they're having a, a positive birth that they feel is positive, they're stepping into parenthood in a with a big advantage. And mm-hmm. you know, those first few weeks of parenting first few months maybe years you know it's it's challenging it's it's emotionally and physically challenging so let's give parents a full toolkit that will last them a lifetime
0: not amen just amen to that perfect thank you thanks for listening stay tuned for our next episode and in the meantime follow us on instagram at we go there podcast and check out we go there for more info